one of the things I wanted to do uh, was kind of loop back over uh, what we've, what's happened here, the, I guess, the last five, six weeks. Of, baptism's been, the, what, the last six weeks? Amen. Ba- baptism, the last six weeks. And uh, baptisms are, are awesome, and uh, it's a great celebration. And what I wanted to do first was uh, take a look at Matthew 3.13. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, last time I brought my Bible, and I got it in case of an event of an emergency, but this time I printed the words a little bit bigger so I could read them better. Uh, Matthew 3.13. And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all the righteousness. Then John consented. And as, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so... When, Jesus goes through the, the baptism process uh, and we hear the Father say, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. I just went off. Battery's dead. Battery's back on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to take a look at... Uh, Romans 8, 8, 15, and 16. I dig babies. I really do. Can't get enough of them. And Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, For you have now received a spirit, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, uh, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Thanks, sir. Would it work if I just lay it here? No. Nope. Maybe. I don't know what to do with this. It's like, what do I do with my hands? Now, I want to go. I'm sorry. Let me, Thank let me you for your help. <laughs> I tell y'all, you do not want me singing. (laughs) I think we had a line here, Bubba. So when I, I, read, I read those two verses uh, together because uh, having accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior after, and you show that with your baptism, uh, then you are now adopted into the family of God. You, that is your father. That's your daddy. Uh, and so if we turn back over here to Matthew 3 and what I'd like you to do 
is close your eyes and when we get to the point where it says Jesus say your name to yourself and then when it gets to the part my son change that over to daughter if you're female so as soon as Jesus was baptized he went up out of the water and at that moment heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased and just sit with that for a minute just just the fact that your father in heaven is well pleased with you and just when we read the stories about Jesus it's easy to see that you know like Jesus is the son of God he's without sin but when we accept him as our savior we take his clean robes and put them on ourselves and just that just that moment of just accepting that blessing of that blessing that he's placed on you Then, after the baptism, uh, we move out of Matthew 3 and into Matthew 4. And if you uh, read Matthew 4, and I looked at um, 27 different versions of Matthew 4, just to make sure I was close on this. And 24. Five out of 27 versions, the very first word of Matthew 4 was then. Okay, so you get baptized, um, and everybody, you pop up out of the water, everybody's clapping, everybody's high-fiving, uh, hugging, kissing. Uh, it's just like that, that moment right after a great victory. And then... Um, Everybody kind of slides away. We go to dinner, go home, and you're riding this high. And it's like, then, what, what, what comes next? You know, and if you read the, the fairy tale, Cinderella and Snow White and those guys, um, we know that you live happily ever after. All your dreams come true. Suddenly you have no problems. Everything's just easy downhill sledding. But we know that that's not the case. Uh, when Jesus came up out of the water in Matthew 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So, after being baptized, and you uh, pop up and you say, what's next? You know, what, what's coming? Um, you can pretty much guarantee that the devil's coming. You know, and the funny part about church and when they're uh, leading you and they're bringing, bringing you to Jesus and they're, they're telling you about uh, your Savior and who you are in your Savior, uh, they don't tell you that uh, you also have an enemy. And now that you're uh, actually engaging in a relationship with Christ, that your enemy is going to pop up and start opposing you. I looked over, and one of the things I enjoy doing is looking at the Old Testament and kind of seeing how the stories play out. So, And it gets easier and easier as you practice this, but if you, you, you're in the New Testament and this is happening, and you think, well, where did something like that happen in the Old Testament? And the story in Exodus, and everybody knows that Moses comes to, to Egypt and he says, let my people go, and after the plagues and such, uh, the Pharaoh relents. And then they, the Israelites, they leave Egypt. And then in Exodus 14, and I'm, I'm at verse 5, he said, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready, and he took his people with him, and he took 6,000 selected chariots and all of the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased, them after, chased after them with the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hirath and in front of Baal-Zephon. Y'all can check my pronunciation of those words later. But in the same way, in the same way, when uh, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the devil lets you go, he thinks, what have I done? And so now I've got to go get them back. And you're talking about trying to re-enslave you. Okay? So he's bringing that message to you. And you can think to yourself, well, you know, really, the devil's not going to tell me uh, to turn rocks, to, rocks into bread. Uh, it's not going to uh, take me to the temple and uh, tell me to jump off. And he's not going to offer me the world. Uh, but he's got some other good tricks. He's got one. You see if these don't apply to you a little closer. Uh, after you've been baptized, he says, do you really think that's all it takes? Do you, do you really think that's, that works? You, you didn't do anything. You know, you went in the water, he came out. You think, really? Did that really work? Uh, do you really think God is interested in you? You know, or, he knows well, all that you've done. He's seen it all. You know, he knows your dirt. 
He really knows all your thoughts, as bad as they are. He knows that. You think he's really interested? He's going to worry about what you got going on? Uh, weakling, do you really think you can stand temptation? You know, when I bring that bottle back around, when I bring the drug back around, when I bring the pornography back around, do you think you can really step aside from that? Are you going to be able to stand that? Do you really think that can happen? Uh, oh, I just saw what you did. I saw the way you looked at that girl. I saw the way you flipped that guy off. You, are you, and you're a Christian? You're supposed to be a Christian? I really, that really didn't take for you. You know, other people maybe, but not you. Uh, what about this? Do you, do you really think you can trust God? Do you, is that something that you really think that you can do? Uh, you got your wants and desires. Is that something that you can really put before God, Jesus, and have any expectations of getting those things to meet your needs? Is that, or is that going to be something that you have to step in and take care of? You're going to have to do it on your own. These, these are the real questions that come. You know, it's, um, it's, not, it's not some pie-in-the-sky stuff that's only in this book. These are the ones that come to me. These are the ones that come to my friends that, you know, are open, open enough to discuss it with them. The, um, you know, this, the, the spiritual warfare... I, is is really true. It really happens. I had a uh, occasion when I went to uh, Colorado on a Christian retreat, and leading up to the retreat, I kept getting letters saying, "Hey, I know you're going to come into some problems. You know, last minute uh, things are going to come up, but push through and come. Uh, you know, some emergency is going to happen, but push through and come." And so. As the date got closer and closer and closer, I had a thousand reasons why I couldn't go. You know, it's like this deadline was happening, this problem popped up, um, someone, you know, my kid got sick, just a thousand different things comes up to stop it. Uh, but I pushed through all of those. Got all the way to the airport. I'm sitting in the airport, ready to fly to Colorado, and they tell me, hey, the windshield of the plane that you're supposed to get on is busted. So uh, that plane's not going to take off. And I said, no problem, will another one. You know, I thought it was like another taxi. We just hail that sucker on in, but it's not the way it works. That plane is the only plane that's going to Colorado. So they have to uh, send up to Indianapolis to get a part to bring to put in the plane so I can fly. Four hours later, I'm off to Colorado. I had signed up to take a bus once I got there to ride a bus all the way to the other side of the state to make to this conference. And when I got to Colorado, I know that the bus time is gone. And so now I'm sitting in the, uh, uh, the Denver airport with no ride, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. I need to just go on and go home. <coughs> just check in this ticket, turn around and just take my tail back to Murfreesboro, you know. But I decided to push through, and um, I pushed through. Rented a car, drove to the other side of the state, didn't know where I was going, but I managed to make it with GPS and a map. 
I got there, I got to the, the location. It had gotten so late in the day and I didn't know where I was going in the town that I was going to was smaller than Eagleville. If anybody can guess that, there's zero street lights anywhere. Zero signs. Apparently, if you go to this town, you know where you're going. You don't need road signs. Because I'm there, and I'm riding up and down this highway. Now, you would think you would, any guy would probably just pull right over and ask for help, right? You know, that's the, well, I had to push through that and stop and ask for help. And uh, they pointed me to the right road. I finally got there, um, got to the conference, missed dinner. So all they had left was a snicker bar so I could get out of the machine. So I had to do supper was a snicker bar that night and a cup of coffee. We go through the conference, have a great time. Um, and we get to the very last session, it's Sunday morning, I got to fly back, and they say, hey guys, uh, we just wanted to let you know, uh, now that y'all been to this conference, you're going to get a lot of opposition. Uh, you're now showing a show up on the devil's radar. And it's like, yeah, whatever. So you just think. So I get back to the airport, and um, I was coaching a little baseball team at the time. And we were supposed to be in a tournament that weekend, and I'd let my assistant coaches coach. So I call them up on the phone. Hey, how'd the tournament go? Oh, terrible, man. We got killed. You know, parents are fighting parents. Coaches are fighting players. Players are fighting players. Everybody's fighting. I don't even know if you'll have a team when you get back. <laughs> yes. So, so I was like, oh, this is funny. This is like if he hadn't have called it perfectly. I mean, I hadn't got, you know, one hour outside of uh, Denver when, bang, this landed in my lap. So the, the really the idea of spiritual warfare is there, and you're going to run into it. Um, and then, so um, you ask yourself, what do I do? You know, I'm here. I've been baptized. I'm looking at it. The then story comes. I know the devil's coming because he's already, he did it to Jesus, and you know it's coming, so what do I do? Um, you ask for your wife for help. That's what you do. <laughs> and, she, and she comes forth with a verse. And so uh, Ephesians 6, 10. A lot of people of you know this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with preparations of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which will, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And this, the, the part that was really cool, and, uh, and I just love breaking down the words. I like the words. The schemes of the devil... So the, 
the tactics that he uses on Mike Bivens may not be the same tactics as he uses on Michael Jordan. It won't be the same tactic that he uses on you. He's got you dialed in. And so you have to uh, put on your armor. And I really love this part here, the last part, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so if we look back uh, in Matthew 4, what was it that Jesus did when he was tempted? It is written. It is also written. For it is written. He's coming at the devil with the word of God. Amen. It's just not, uh, I hope this thing goes away if I hunker down in a fetal position for a little while. Maybe it'll go away. It just doesn't work like that. So, if we go back to the, uh, if we go back to our questions, you know, it's like, do you really think that's all you have to do? 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you really think God is interested in you? John 16, 24. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Weakling, do you really believe you can stand temptation? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Uh, are you supposed to be a Christian? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Uh, do you really think you can trust God? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust, the, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So... The um, I heard a story, and uh, Bivens has heard this one. Is the uh, if you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? And so I can tell you, I am a hammer, and the whole world looks like a nail for me. And that that nail is discipling. And so as you're sitting here pondering. Uh, what do I do? How do I start this? Where, where's the first step? The first step may be the person sitting right next to you. The first step may be the person that talked you into coming to church, helped you decide to get into the water. Someone to say, hey, uh, how about sitting down and let me and you read the Bible and talk about it and uh, see what we can get out of here. Uh, if you've got one of these problems that isn't in my list, it wasn't on Jesus' list, but you've got your own problem, say, hey, let's, uh, would you look in the Bible and try to help me find what the Bible has to say about this particular problem? Um, and if you do that, uh, then you can go a long way towards protecting yourself from the evil one. And there you go. Last time I ran long, this time is my three-point sermon is over. <laughs> Amen.
I wanted to say this. This is the fun part to me was you, you let all this off with the, the, uh, the prayer that you didn't even know this was coming. I didn't know what – I was like, my goodness, this is like high. I can't remember the prayer, so. You, it, it's on your warrior T-shirt. That's what we're talking about. Yes. So you couldn't have let it any better. But I appreciate the layup. Amen, sister. All right. Everybody, just stand up. Stand up. Pray for us over the love feast. Um, what I think would be great, I think what what I heard guys say was that is in the vent. You know, we've had a lot of folks. If, I'll, I'll just sum it up this way: If there's anyone here tonight that desires to huddle up with someone, then Let's let that be known. Okay? That's God's heart, especially if you're a man. Touch base with Him. He loves this. He, he loves doing that. And we'll just start connecting people, okay? In the rhythm of life. Females, connect with one another. I, you know, we'll, we'll figure all that <laughs> Right? All right. If you've not ever, if you don't know what it, what, what you do to get suited up in what he's beautifully described in Galatians, then the first thing is go, yes, I believe. It's a yes, I believe. I believe that God has not given me a spirit of fear. Therefore, I can battle in a spirit of victory. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's told us beautifully. So if you have said yes to Jesus, this table is open. Thank you, Lord. We've all got the same blood running through us, and it's called Jesus. And so, therefore, we are victories, victors in that. So, if you pray for us tonight. All right. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to meet and gather and uh, enjoy fellowship. Uh, thank you for being here with us as we uh, discuss your word. And uh, we thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blood and your your flesh thank you for dying on the cross to save us from our sins and uh to justify us before your father and uh we ask your blessings on the rest of this evening and uh to follow us to the rest of the day thank you amen, amen.